The scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from St. Paul's first letter to the congregation in Thessalonica, the fourth chapter, beginning with verse 13. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. Apparently, September to October is one of the best times of the year to climb Mount Everest. And each year there are hundreds of climbers that go up there. In my Facebook feed, I've been getting uh, images and video from GoPro cameras of some of these climbers. And I must have clicked on one, one once and now I'm getting tons of them. And what's interesting is how frequently with their video that they're watching often from their heads as they're going along on these dangerous paths is how often they have to step over someone's body, someone who had gone ahead of them and has now passed on. In the last 30 years, 300 plus people have died trying to climb Mount Everest and only one third of them have had their earthly remains brought back down below the mountain. Currently there are over 200 bodies just resting up on the top of the mountain left in the snow. It's also estimated that in Lake Superior there are probably over 10,000 bodies that are down at the bottom of Lake Superior, which never gives up her dead, according to Gordon Lightfoot. There have been 350 shipwrecks that are recorded in history. Uh, that we know of. It's kind of interesting to think of all the places where human remains may be housed and lodged and, and sitting around the world in places that maybe we wouldn't have expected. And it's not always going to be somewhere where that individual planned it to be. It's not where they plan to have their body finally go back into the ground. And some of them uh, are never claimed again by anyone. Just think of this, in Los Angeles County alone, just in 2019, think of this, 1,624 people died in the county who were unclaimed by relatives or anyone. And so every year they do one big mass burial for all the people that die in their county that no one comes to ever claim. There's an organization called the Doe Network, and they claim there are over 6,000 unidentified graves in the United States and Canada that they have found themselves um, where there's no name, and it's often Jane Doe or John Doe. I've entered the stage of life where I start thinking a little bit about these things and about planning a little bit where my final resting place may be and uh, where will I possibly be buried. Now we assume this is something we can control and we assume this is something that we can plan for and, and all of that, but then again, maybe not. Have you ever thought about in your life, I know it's a long ways off probably for most of you, but where will your final resting place be? Where will be the spot on the earth where your remains finally will be settled? Dr. Walther, C.F.W. Walther, said this, that death is the one preacher 
that the unbelieving world must listen to. That's interesting. It just kind of sends a stillness through all of us, doesn't it? Whether believer or unbeliever. And quite often when we deal with someone who's a loved one who passes away, maybe at least you've had that happen in your life. Um, when I was in college, I think I'd had about three very close relatives that had already passed away by then. And you can suffer some deep sadness that comes along with that. But St. Paul encourages us in our text that when we consider death, whether it's for a loved one who believes in Christ or for yourself as a believer in Christ, he says he doesn't want us to sorrow as others who have no hope. That's such a great line. We can look at death differently as believers in Christ. We don't have to have this, this deep sorrow that we'll never see someone again. Because to the believer in Christ, uh, death is nothing but a sleep. It's like seeing somebody the next day when they will wake up. And as we look at this text and so many others like it, just notice how differently the believer in Christ, the, the members of the Holy Christian Church, are encouraged by God to look at death so differently, not only their own, but also the death of loved ones. And there's such a, such a beauty and simplicity and, and also confidence in the words that we have in front of us. Just listen to them again. Think how simple the Christian faith is. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. If you believe that Christ died to pay for all of your sins, the way the Bible teaches us, if you believe that he rose again so that you could be justified before God and to give you the hope of your resurrection, God will bring with Jesus those who sleep in him. That's how simple this beautiful Christian faith is. And so with that beautiful teaching, God invites you to just look at your future casket or urn or whatever, or wherever you're going to rest someday, with confidence and to see it as nothing, nothing any worse than going to bed at night. The Son of God himself exerted his supreme power over the very thing that sometimes might intimidate us, the thing that seems like our worst enemy. But your hope of having your death become nothing but a sleep, as Paul is saying here, is all tied to the fact that Christ himself has already accomplished this in his own life because his father raised him awake again after his time in the grave. And he now holds the power over death, not only his own, but also yours. And so notice that Paul doesn't tie the hope that you have to something that may happen in the future, but he ties it to something that's already historically taken place and been accomplished, and that is the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Now, the, the holy Christian church in the world carries this beautiful teaching, carries this hopeful confidence with it as it goes through life, as her members go through this life. And what a wonderful thing that is for us to possess. We are the band of followers. We are the body of Christ. The head has already risen, as our hymn just sang. And we now are going to come back to life out of our graves as well. And this is why the patriarch Joseph's bones were carried with the children of Israel back to the promised land where he could be buried in Shechem. 
It was very fitting for them to do this, to take them out of a pagan land where there was no hope of the resurrection and the gods there, but to take them out of that pagan land and to bring his body uh, and his bones back with the believers to, to the, the, uh, the promised land. There was to be found no hope in the dead pharaohs. A dead king will never give you anything. But the living king, the living king who is Christ the Lord, he gives you and me the promise of future life. That's why St. Paul calls him the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Out on the edge of Mankato, there is a cemetery called Pilgrim's Rest, and my grandparents are buried there, Pilgrim's Rest. And I like the name of that because, as Peter says, we are all sojourners and pilgrims as Christians in this world on our way to a much better home. And frequently I drive right past that cemetery to dump off rubbish in, in, the, in a landfill out there. And I think how fitting this is that we take the, the garbage of our lives and can drive right past the place where the believers in Christ are resting in their graves, waiting for the great day of the resurrection. What great irony is around us so often in our lives. Notice at the end of our text, Paul says, comfort one another with these words. At the end of this whole section, I just love that. Comfort one another with these words. That, that's why we as Christians meet and gather on, on Sundays the day of Easter being represented every week to remind us of our own future resurrection so that you and I can say to ourselves, my Easter is coming. Live for that. Amen. Please rise. And today I'd like to offer a special prayer. One of our alumni, a man by the name of Richard McGinnis, who was a 1955 graduate is getting near the final days of his life. And he listens to our chapel simulcast every day. And I've spoken with him a number of times too. And we'd like to have a prayer for him. Please let's join our hearts in prayer. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we come before you on behalf of your child, Richard. Be with him and his family in these challenging days. By your word and sacrament, grant him the comfort and peace that you alone can give through faith in Christ. We commit him into your loving hands. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.